Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Owen Shadrick. Thank you again, everybody, for tuning in, whether you're watching or listening. Quick standings update for you. We're recording this here on June 30th, day before July. The standings have switched up a little bit since the last time we talked. Vermont remains on top, though, at 24-6. and They have won 24 of their last 27 to date, which is incredible. The New Britain Bees stand in second place after passing the Westfield Starfires. So New Britain in second, Westfield in third, Norwich is occupying the fourth spot and final spot in the playoffs right now at 15 and 15, followed by Worcester, Pittsfield, Nashua, and Brockton. Some news in the Futures League here this week. We officially want to congratulate our 78 Sports Player of the Month and our Change-Up Pitcher of the Month. We'll start with the Pitcher of the Month. It is Sean Madsen from the Vermont Lake Monsters. Sean has had an incredible, incredible run. He's got a two ERA, 46 strikeouts in 27 innings. Congratulations to Sean and the Vermont Lake Monsters for the incredible first month that they have had in the Futures League. And our 78 Sports Player of the Month is Jackson Hornung from the Westfield Starfires. He's hitting 385, 40 hits, 29 RBIs, six home runs, three triples, seven doubles. He has had a monster start to the year. Take a look at episode two of season five. If you want to hear more from him, we have a lot more Westfield though, on this podcast as we were blessed to have Seth Dusall, the voice of the Westfield Starfires and a proud member of the Pioneer Valley on this episode of back to the future. Seth talks about his couple of years with the Starfires, including the, their inaugural season in 2019, which he was a part of. He also talks about his time at AIC and his pride for Western mass for the Pioneer Valley for Westfield. He calls Westfield a baseball town. He gives the dictionary definition of Bullen's magic and so much more. You don't want to miss this episode. We're going to get you there. Here is Seth Dussault. We are honored to be joined by our next guest here on Back to the Futures. He is a day one Westfield Starfire, the voice of the Starfires. It's Seth Dussault. Seth, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on the podcast. Doing fantastic, Owen. Great to be on here. Really looking forward to this and looking forward to some more Bullen's magic. Yes, we will get to plenty of Bullen's magic here in a second, but we want to start with the magic that has already happened on the field this year. The Starfires playing very, very well here out of the gate. What's it been like to watch this team this se- so far this season? It's a different feeling from years past, and I know, you know, obviously when you're getting a franchise off the ground, there's going to be some, some potholes that you're going to hit, uh, and it looks like the team has really finally hit its stride. They've figured out a way to construct a team that's successful at this level. Um, they've put together a good group of guys that are not only talented, but also good guys. And so there's really good team chemistry. There's team togetherness. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a very different team from the kinds of teams we've had in the past, a lot faster. And we've stolen more bases. We already broke our franchise record for stolen bases, 28 games into the season. We have 92 swipes. Um, so, you know, it's an aggressive team. It's, it's very much a Kyle Dombrowski team, aggressive attack pitches, attack the defense, a lot of fun to watch. It's fun. It's a fun style of baseball. And I think the crowds have really responded to the kind of ball that we play. Yeah. And one of those players in particular is Jackson Hornung. He is having an unbelievable start to the season. We had him on episode two of season five of this podcast. What have you seen out of him so far this season in particular? Jackson's just good at everything. Uh, he's literally, uh, he's a great hitter. He's patient at the plate. He doesn't chase bad pitches. 
Uh, he makes good contact. Seems like every ball he hits, he barrels. Um, he's also fast, and I don't just mean fast for a catcher. I mean fast. He's swiped four bases. He's got three triples, you know, so he can move. He's got a great arm. He's thrown out a bunch of runners. All of our catchers are actually really good. We have such ridiculous depth at the catcher position. There are times when we have three catchers in the lineup um, because several of them play first base. Jack Power plays second sometimes, so we'll usually have one behind the dish, one at second or first, and one DHing. So, I mean, that's a position of super strength for us, but obviously Jackson – for a lot of this has been the straw that stirs the drink. Yeah, he has certainly had an unbelievable season. And you mentioned that he's part of these, this new look Starfires, but you've been there since the beginning in 2019 when they were officially named as a team. It was just you and Audrey and my former co-host and good friend of ours, Matt Satilli, in the press box. What has been the best part about working for the Starfires? It's just the people. Any any organization, it's really about the people. If you have good people to work with, it just you look forward to it every day. I go to the ballpark every day with a big smile on my face because I have I tell you, I have the most fun job in the world. I get to watch sports, and I get to hang out with really cool people doing it. People like you said, Matt and Audrey um, from the first season, and everybody we've had since. My broadcast partner Andrew, who has been fantastic this last full, he's now at a full year at this point. Um, Obviously, Evan Morehouse, who's in there quite a bit, Kenny and Ben Arnold. Uh, it's, it's just such a great group of people. And it starts at the top. It starts with Chris Thompson, Donnie Morehouse, our owners, who are phenomenal people, phenomenal baseball minds, phenomenal business minds. Uh, they, they know how to run an organization. They know what it takes. Um, the core values that them and Evan put together, uh, family is right at the top of the list. And it really feels like a family, you know, where we're so together as a, as a group, even though we have one of the smallest staffs in the Futures League, might be the smallest. Um, we get so much done because we're so together. Everybody's pitching in, doing whatever it takes to help the team be successful. Yeah, 100%. And talk about that for a minute, the relationship between you and the Morehouse and Thompson, I guess, um, conglomerate, let's call it. But when, when were you, how were you originally recruited to work for the Starfires? Because originally you were the, their statistician in 2019 before you became the voice of the team in 2020. So, so it's really funny. I've actually known Donnie Morehouse for 13, 14 years. He graduated from AIC back in 1987. He played hockey here at AIC um, and then was an assistant hockey coach. He's gone on to do a ton of things. He's the voice of the UMass Minutemen hockey team. Obviously got to call a national championship two years ago, a couple hockey East championships. Um, but for a couple of seasons, he was actually my hockey broadcast partner here at AIC. He was the play-by-play guy. I was the color guy my sophomore and junior years at AIC. So I've known him for a while. And then Evan was our director of hockey operations uh, at this point six years ago, Eric Lang's first year as head coach. So I've known the Morehouses for a really long time. And I've known Chris Thompson through the Thunderbirds um, and previous organization, the Springfield Falcons. So when I saw that they had a team there, there, there was a team being found put in Westfield. And then I saw Donnie and Chris as the owners and I saw Evan was involved. I texted Evan. I said, Hey, do you need help? Do you need to play by play guy? And do you need anything? And Evan texted me right back. He's like, yeah, whatever, whatever you want to be able to contribute. So that was the year before the FCBL network became a thing. So I was the statistician the first year and I've actually been the statistician as well the last two years. Um, but yeah, that was how I got in. It just literally was a text message because I knew the entire ownership group. And so it was a real easy connection. People I knew I could work with, uh, people I knew knew what I was capable of and would put me in a position to be able to do 
the best that I could do with the organization and help it be successful. And so that, that was kind of how it happened. It, it's just fortunate that we have people, you know, people that I knew and knew would do something fantastic. Yeah, it has certainly been fantastic to watch the growth of the Starfires. And of course, you know, that attributes to you, to the Morehouses, to everybody that's been involved. But you mentioned it. There were potholes early. Obviously, it was 2019. You know, you guys came fresh into the league. What would you say the biggest challenges were in working for a new franchise in, in 2019 and even 2020 when you guys were still trying to, you know, get your feet wet? And even 2021, I would include in that. In 2019, the franchise was announced in mid-February. Mm-hmm. We had three months to put together what normally takes a year, right? So everything was was just let's try it. Let's throw it at the wall and see what happens. Um, you know, because Donnie and Chris have so many connections, they were able to get a lot of uh, sponsorship on board real quick. So we had those kinds of things, but obviously it was a brand new team. And unfortunately uh, not a lot of success on field, although we had, we had our moments, obviously that's where Bowen's magic was born in that first season, even though we went 15 and 41. Um, but you know, it, we, we kind of learned what we needed. And that was you know, between the first and second season when Hunter Golden was brought in, our uh, director of player personnel who had previously built the uh, Valley Blue Sox NECBL team into a juggernaut. They went back-to-back NECBL championships. They were the number one team in college summer ball for those two years. I think they went some ridiculous like 85 and 25 over the, the two-year span, didn't lose a playoff game. They were just a behemoth. And so all of the great players really – from 2020 on that we had, whether it's, you know, Reggie Crawford, Cole Bartles, you know, Jackson Hornung now, you know, you go down the list, a lot of them brought in by Hunter. Uh, He knows how to construct a good baseball team, knows what successful college summer ball looks like. And so, you know, every year has been a learning experience with the COVID year, we had to figure out how to play baseball safely and be able to get some fans in with, you know, six feet of separation and masks and, sanitation and all that and even 2021 we didn't know until three days before the season started that we were going to be able to get full capacity so there were still a lot of things we wanted to do but couldn't this is really the first real season like the first full normal year of the franchise and we're here in year four yeah and obviously there have been plenty of improvements plenty of things you mentioned hunter golden as one of them this even if you want to include that, that's fine. But what have been the biggest improvements that you've seen from this team, you know, from the challenges to now what, what it's become here in 2022? A lot of times with a new, with a new organization, you try a bunch of things and learn what doesn't work and keep doing the things that do work and, and add to those things. Um, you know, we have our own podcast. Now we have the, uh, the Bullens magic podcast, which I couldn't come up with a name. And then it kind of hit me. I'm like, why am I overthinking this? Like it's right there. Um, we do a newsletter that we send out to our ticket holders and anybody who's bought tickets, anybody who's worked with our camps, things like that. Um, just more community engagement. It's super important. Westfield's a baseball town, uh, a tremendous history of baseball. The Babe Ruth world series has been here. The Babe Ruth regionals are at Bollins field every year. So, um, the high schools are good they send a lot of kids to NCAA baseball. And we've got some kids from Westfield at AIC. And we've had in years past who have also played for the Starfires. Anthony Clark comes immediately to mind, who's part of that first season team. So 
know, it's a, it's a place where we can be successful. I think we have been successful and learning what doesn't work and what does and turning up the volume on those things that do work is what, you know, the leadership of Chris and Donnie and Evan and, and Hunter have, have really been. And I think Kyle Dombrowski as a hiring, no pun intended, is an absolute home run. Yeah, it's been great to see the success of the Starfires so far in 2022 after, as you said, 15 and 41 in 2019. It's come a long way. And it is time to ask, we'll call this our Zephyr question today. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr, high quality and innovative design since 1993. So, Seth, you, you have said it maybe four times already. Bullen's magic. It's a thing. You can't deny it anymore. It's real talk about it you you kind of you might have even coined the term in 2019 but what what is for the fans from your perspective what is Bullen's magic and what are I guess what is your favorite Bullen's magic moment so far in your career oh gosh so Bullen's magic as a concept is the idea that the field itself and the franchise that plays on it as an extension of the field itself is never out of a game that no matter what till the very end there's a chance that we can come back and we can we can do special things and you will see sure-handed third basemen who never make errors you know when it's late and close suddenly the ball is going to take a funny hop and it always seems to happen to the opposing team never to us it's not like we're you know throwing dirt in between half innings but it just it's it's that kind of the ghosts quote unquote of Billy Bullen's field. Um, and it, it truly is, it's special. And the team feeds off of it. They feed off the mentality that we're never out of it, which is why the team has had so many comeback victories. And I think, especially at home, but it even happens on the road. Like we've, we've taken Bullen's magic to away games up in Pittsfield. I can think of up in Nashua where we've had just bizarre things that have happened that don't make sense. But for the fact that, it's Bowen's magic. And, and part of that is, of course, the nature of baseball. But I think there's something special about that field. And there's something special about the teams that play on it that just invites the craziness to happen, the unexpected to happen. Um, my favorite, and I know the, uh, the, the Bruins fans that are going to watch this aren't going to like this very much, but our first year we had a shortstop. It was a kid from St. Louis. And I remember the first day I met him, he had a Vladimir Tarasenko shirt on. And of course the blues, when they made that run, their big thing was the song Gloria. So we were in a, in a game where we were down eight going into the eighth inning. Like you would never expect to come back from that. You're, you're done. Well, we scored, I think it was five in the eighth and, and he's leading off. And I remember, t I remember turning to Matt, who at the time was our PA and, and music guy and telling him, you know, instead of playing his normal walk-up song, play Gloria, he works a walk. We end up coming back. Anthony Clark, I mentioned him before, hits a walk-off single. We end up winning that game. Two games later, we're in the ninth inning, down a run, and the same St. Louis kid is leading off. I said, Matt, play Gloria. Kid hits a home run, ties the game. And as he's coming around third, passing the press box, tips the, tips the helmet up at us. If that wasn't Bullen's magic, I don't, that might have been the start of, of Bullen's magic. That those two, those two plate appearances that led to two wins that we had no business getting. And 
You know, it just it just continues to happen. Even the beginning of this season, we're down we're down four against Vermont in the opener, and we score to tie the game. They take a lead. Jack Power comes up, pinch hit his first at bat as a starfire crushes the ball to dead center. First pitch ties the game. Jackson Hornung wins the home run derby for us effortlessly. You know, it just it happens. We find a way, and especially at home. And I mean. There's, there's more coming. So, you know, if you if you haven't been to Bullens Field, come see it because you really do have to see it in person to believe it. Yeah, I've been to plenty of Westfield Starfire games and I, there's a chance I was at one of those Gloria games because I remember being there during the Bruins run and you being very much in my ear, let's put it that way. But yes, um, <laughs> if you wanted the dictionary definition of Bullens Magic, you just got it from Seth Dussall right there. That is spot on. Couldn't have said it better myself. And another big thing coming for the Starfires is a game on Nesson, which will be hosted at Billy Bowens Field that you will be on the broadcast for. It'll be your first time on Nesson with the league. What are you looking forward to most about that? I think it's the opportunity to show all of New England what Westfield is all about. Not just Billy Bowens Field, not just the Starfires, but the city of Westfield, how special a place it is, how special the Pioneer Valley, Western Massachusetts is. I mean, this is my home. I grew up two towns over. I currently live and work two towns over uh, in Springfield. So uh, this is really an opportunity to showcase what the 413 is about to a much wider audience than we normally get to. And I think people are going to see Westfield in a, in a different way, maybe actually think about it as someplace you might want to come to. Uh, there's so much in Westfield beyond just the baseball. There's some fantastic restaurants here some great places to go hiking, some fabulous parks. Obviously the, the schools are good. You know, it's, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to be. Uh, you're close to everything. So I, that's what I'm looking most forward to is showcasing Westfield, Western Massachusetts, our home, my home uh, to an audience that I don't know necessarily appreciates. You know, there's always the jokes that, that Boston doesn't acknowledge that Western Massachusetts exists. So I think for, for us, it's an opportunity to show what we're made of and what we are as, as a location. Absolutely. And you talk about, you know, Westfield being a baseball town earlier. You talk about the full one, three, there's so much there. You know, I went to UMass, obviously I know a lot about the surrounding area and it's going to be great for Nessa, not only to just show, Oh, here's Amherst, here's Springfield. This is Westfield. It's a town that's right there, but it's got the same properties. It's got the same passion for sports for community as you know all these other towns yeah it's truly amazing just how much is here uh in western massachusetts not just westfield but but the area as a whole obviously springfield people know of it you know the basketball hall of fame dr seuss um but westfield's got a ton to offer you know you mentioned amherst northampton east hampton which is my hometown there's so much there um just it's a really incredible place and anybody out there who's never been to western massachusetts like i know it's not where you think of as like a vacation destination if you think of it at all but you should uh, it's a really cool place with a lot of history a lot of awesome things to explore just it's it's a special place it's why i've never left in my 33 years and i never want to yeah that's you know this is your that's perfect Come to Westfield because Seth said so, please. Absolutely. Listen to me. I'm smart. <laughs> Occasionally. Listen to me. I'm smart. Exactly. 
Hold on, we'll get right back to Back to the Futures, but first, we want to share a message from our friends at 78 Sports. Do you have kids playing baseball or softball? We all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England, not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at-home training setup. Whether you want to start small with just a tee and a net, or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before. I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. All right, transitioning to your other job at AIC, you're in your 14th year with the Athletic Communications Department. Before we get to the specifics of your current job, what's it been like to have spent so many years with AIC? Well, it's the exact same thing I brought up with the, with the Starfires. The first, the first and foremost word is family. I've had the great privilege of working with a ton of incredible people over the years who have invested in me and in my growth as a, as a person, not only professionally, but just personally. Um, you know, I think of the, the SIDs that I've worked with, the head SIDs I've worked with over the years, and even the assistants. I go back to my first boss, Daryl Kanicki, who's now the Associate Commissioner of the Little East Conference. Um, I think of John Hanna, who's now the hockey SID at Penn State University. Uh, Sarah Kirkpatrick, who's now the head SID at Holy Cross, my current boss, who actually today is his last day, took just took a job with the uh, PGA down in St. Louis, where he's from, uh, Thomas Poole, fantastic. Um, our athletic directors that we've had, past and present, Rich Bedard, Matt Johnson, now Jessica Chapin. Uh, the coaches, too many to name, but Gary Wright and Judy Groff and Art Wilkins are three that are the most important, deserve to be named by name. Not that the other ones don't, but if, if I did, we'd be here all day. The student athletes, their families, support staff, our athletic training, like everybody. I, I could go on and on. It's just, it's a family. Everybody cares about everybody else. Everybody wants everybody else to succeed. It's the kind of environment you want to be in. Yeah, 100%. And you said it, you know, it's when you when you work somewhere, it's definitely about who you work with. And you know, that's what I found through the Futures League, you found through the Starfires, etc. It's, it's all, you know, it becomes a family. And that's 100%. Couldn't agree more. And and I think one of the things that's the most telling, you look through our, our staff, I'm not, I'm far from the only alum who's on staff. Um, our women's basketball coach, Kristen Hutchison, graduated from AIC twice. Eric Lang, our hockey coach, graduated from AIC twice. Yeah, you, know, you go on and our football coach is an alum. A bunch of the assistant coaches are alums. Uh, several of our assistant ADs are alums. It's, it's fantastic. Like people come here and, you know, you'd think in downtown Springfield, all the stuff you hear and none of it's true. Springfield's fantastic. And people come here and they don't want to leave. And, and there's not a lot of places that can say that. No, certainly not, especially in an industry like sports where everything, a piece seem to be moving and stuff like that. So that's great that, you know, people keep coming back. 
And for your day-to-day, you're the coordinator of athletic communications. What is that like? What is your day-to-day like at AIC? So right now it's a little different, obviously, with the teams being out mm-hmm. out of play right now in the summertime. So right now we're working on updating our website. We're working on you know, going through historical documents. We're you know getting our Hall of Fame induction class ready. So we're I've been interviewing our incoming Hall of Famers that'll be inducted in October. Uh, writing stories about that, obviously getting stuff ready for the fall, already planning for the fall teams. Uh, but, you know, during during season, it's, you know, you're doing social media, you're making graphics, you're obviously the games themselves, stats, broadcasting, writing recaps, sending out press releases. We've had a lot of success at AIC. So, you know, that means more work, which is the kind of work I like to have, you know, when I have, you know, a track and field team that finishes first in the conference, three of the six and second, the other three of the six, we had 18 All-Americans. A kid won two national championships. Uh, Callum Elson, that's phenomenal stuff. And obviously, the hockey team here, really successful. Our volleyball team is super successful. Like so there's just, it's a lot, a lot of different things that we have to do. We wear many hats. You know, our kind of the, the motto of sports information is other duties as assigned. We're kind of, we kind of do everything. And it, but it's fun. It, you know, no two days are the same. And, you know, there's always something new and exciting to look forward to and the next thing. And we're trying to find the next thing to get people to pay attention to us, to talk about it, to talk about AIC. Um, So it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of different things and it's hard to describe all of them well, but it's fun. I look, I wake up every morning looking forward to going to work. How many people can say that? Um, let's, let's say, I don't know for now, Yeah, right. <laughs> because it, it, it certainly is. Yeah. It, it definitely depends on the job, depends on the person. And, you know, you said it, you, you're not in season right now, but you do coordinate for a lot of teams, including field hockey, cross country, track and field, men's soccer, triathlon, ice hockey, women's lacrosse and softball. That's a lot of teams. Do you ever get tired? What's the, how do you mesh all that? That's a lot. That's a lot. It is, but like, like I said at the beginning, it's, it's fun. I mean, yeah. I'm, I get paid to watch sports. That's how yeah. I describe That's if I had to describe my job in one sentence, I get paid to watch sports. So like, how can you get tired of that? And like I said, it's, it's always different. You know, I'm going from, you know, in the spring, I'm, you know, coming in and writing a track recap in the morning and then going to broadcast a couple softball games and then a lacrosse game at night, you know, in, in the fall, it's, you know, cross country's got something going. Rugby's got something going. Oh, there's a field hockey game. So it's, it's never, like I said, no two days are the same. So you don't get, you don't get stuck in a rut, right? You don't get into this thing where it's just dull and monotonous. It's always different. So it's, it keeps you moving. It keeps you energized. And then being around the athletes and seeing how much work they put in, it's kind of inspiring that you want to, you want to give to them what they're giving to the institution, right? They're putting in, they're basically, you know, being a student's a full-time job being a student athlete at the division two or division one level is a full-time job. And then a lot of them work on top of it. So they're putting in a hundred hours. Some of them, when you think about everything that they're doing, I want to give to them what, what they're giving to the institution, you know, to show them, you know, Hey, your work is being honored here and we're going to work hard for you because you're working hard for us. Yeah. That's a great answer. And, and again, like someone like you, you've thought of that, obviously you've worked for so many years, but that's, yeah, that was a great answer because you you do it, it is a full-time job to be an athlete and some of these athletes work and they have to pay rent or pay tuition or whatever so they have to work on top of that so that's a good point 
I think of like one of the shining examples, and and he's very public with this, so I have no trouble talking about this. Is Jason Beaver of our track and field team, and cross country team. He's got two kids. He has twins, and he's a full time student. I know he's got a full time job. Three time academic all conference this year. He was all conference in cross country, all American as part of our distance medley relay team. This is the kind of kid you hold up as like the shining example of doing it right. Um, you know, I call him a kid. He's, you know, 22 years old. He's absolutely an adult, but you know, he's 11 years younger than me, but you know, just a fantastic person who, you know, has got his ducks in a row. And this is, that's what you want to see. You want to see these kids, you know, accomplish things academically, get their degree, you know, be able to get a job. And at the same time, obviously we want them to be good at their sport. And Jason is a perfect example of somebody who does everything really really well like that um, I could give an example probably from every team but he's one that that has always stood out to me in those last few years as somebody who's really like up there with that yeah and every athlete everybody's got a unique story but stories like that definitely put a smile on your face that's good to hear and you know shout out to Jason for doing the uh, the extra mile there that's that's great but literally yeah <laughs> seriously literally mm. All right. And we mentioned it flashing all the way back 2007, you're a student at AIC. What were your expectations going into your freshman year? And again, like I asked for the Starfires, what has impressed you most about the growth of your school? So when I was a senior in high school and I'm from East Hampton, which is not far from Springfield, 20, 25 minutes, maybe driving time. I was applying for different to different schools. I'd applied to Westfield state. I had applied to UMass. And my high school chemistry teacher, Sean Sheehan, who's still teaching, by the way, it's fantastic, said to me, you ever think about AIC? And I go, huh? Never heard of it, right? It's where he went, class of, I think, 95. He said, this, you know, he told me this is where I went to school, did my undergrad. It's a good school. It's in Springfield. Check it out. Came to the campus, fell in love with it, applied, got accepted. And literally that day, it was like, this is a no-brainer. You know, I have nothing against UMass but I felt like I wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been good for me to be a place where I was one of 500 in a classroom. To be at a small school where I could be one of 15, 20 was where I needed to be. And so that, it felt comfortable from day one. And the school at the time had just gotten a new president, uh, Vince Maniachi, two years prior. So there were things that he was in the process of leading us to upgrading, fixing, um, and he just retired at the end of this most recent year. And where it's come from when I first walked onto campus that April in 2007 to where it is now here in the end of June in 2022 is, you almost wouldn't recognize it. Uh, we had a grass football field that was basically a mud pit. Now we have a beautiful turf. Uh, we have a track uh, for our track team, the outdoor track complex. Um, New buildings galore on campus for academics, for, for dormitories, uh, just all the upgrades, the number of sports we've added, the number of majors we've added. Um, you know, they just added athletic training very recently. We got a new building. Our um, chair of our board of trustees, Frank Colacino, actually is a big, big reason behind it. That's why the building is named after him. Um, but it just, it's evolved so much in the 15 years that I've been here and it continues to evolve now um, we just at men's volleyball is our newest sport most recently. Uh, you know, they're, they're, I'm sure there's more things coming. Um, and we've obviously had unprecedented success on the field in the last 15 years in so many of our different sports. So it's just, 
know, it, it's, you know, it's like, it's like, it's almost indescribable. I don't often not have words for something, but it's, it's just, it's special. It's a special place and it's continued to grow and become even better. Yeah, it's been great to see. And we'll talk about hockey specifics in a minute, but that's, you know, where I've seen AIC's growth over the last couple of years. And it's been great to see them continuing their success on the field and obviously in, in the town of Springfield. So that's awesome. And from their journey to your personal journey at AIC, you started there, as I said, in 2007, you were a student, you were a writer for the student newspaper and an editor, and now you're the coordinator of the athletic communications. Overall, what has the journey been like specifically for you at AIC? It's been amazing. And, and again, it goes back to the people that I've had the good fortune to be around the opportunities that I've been given, you know, we had a radio station and we still do technically uh, WAIC. It's no longer student run. Um, but at the time it was. And so, you know, as, as a freshman, I got to call hockey games, which obviously dream come true. And, you know, by my sophomore year, we were actually traveling with the team and, and I got to really know Gary Wright, the head coach at the time, very, very well. And so even when, even when the radio station stopped being a thing that we, we did, um, as online streaming became more of a thing, you know, he still wanted me to travel with the team and he made it a point, like he took it out of their own budget to be able to include me when he didn't have to. Um, Daryl, our SID at the time, gave me all kinds of opportunities to learn and to do things that, that most people never would get that opportunity at a bit, you know, at a bigger school, you're, like I said, you kind of feel like you're just a number as opposed to a person at a small place like AIC. So I just had a lot of people who, gave me chances and believed in me and, and taught me and, and invested in me. And that's what's allowed me to get to the point that I am in my career now where I'm doing all of these things that I'm doing. And it's a big thing for me to try to pay that forward now. You know, I've had the good fortune to work with some, some interns, some graduate assistants that I've had um, that have now gone on themselves to fantastic things. Um, you know, we have a former intern who's the assistant SID at Lander, uh, another former student worker who's now the assistant SID, does the hockey up at Dartmouth. Um, my graduate assistant, Summer Dutton, who just grad literally just graduated, just got a job at Holy Cross in their athletic communications office. Uh, so we've, we've put a ton of people in a position to be successful. And to me, like, like I said, that's the most important thing because I've I had a lot of people who did and still do invest that in me. And I want to make sure that the next, the next crop of, of people like me who are coming through, get those same opportunities, get those same learning experiences so that when they graduate and they move on to their careers, they have a leg up on everybody else. And it seems like we're doing a really good job with that, which, which makes me really happy more than anything, more than anything else. Yeah, that's awesome. And some for someone like me who just graduated from, you know, from UMass, where they're very big on that too, is trying to get the next generation set up for for life for their careers. That's that's great to hear that AIC and you specifically are doing the same. And you know, you mentioned uh, the recognition that you've gotten and and the people that have you you've worked with, and you've gotten you've got some specific awards to back that up. You were the 2017 Team Asset Award winner for women's lacrosse. In the 2018, you earned the first ever Gary Wright. You mentioned Gary Wright. First mm -hmm. ever Gary Wright Award for ice hockey. And you were named most dedicated yellow jacket of the year for that year as well. You know, these awards for someone like you, what do they mean as, again, someone who's been there since 2007, someone who's been at AIC working in the athletic communications department 
and working for all these people. It's nice to get recognized, uh, obviously. Uh, it's certainly you know, good to know that you're having an impact. Uh, but to me, that's the bigger part. It means I'm having an impact. It means that, that people are getting something out of me being there. Uh, you know, that it's, that our teams are better because of it, that our student athletes are having a better experience because of it. You know, that's, that's the big thing. I had such a great experience as a student at AIC, again, because I had so many people who wanted me to succeed, who wanted to give me opportunity. And so to be, you know, to know that, to know that I am able to give that to our student athletes, to help our coaches be successful, to help our staff administrators be successful that's that's you know it's the hardware is cool don't get me wrong i love wearing my hockey rings you can ask the hockey guys i've had them on all the time or you know having those awards hanging up in my room but it, it's more than that it's a reminder of like this you know you're doing this because you're helping people you're helping people be successful you know and that's you, you can't put a plaque or a ring on that no you absolutely can't and you talk about making an impact and having an impact. And one way that you do that constantly that I see and that everybody sees is through your support and love of women's sports. I always see on your social media is your appreciation for all the athletes that come through AIC. And of course, specifically the female ones coming down the pipeline. You were on the first broadcast of women's lacrosse at AIC. How much pride do you take in your support of women's sports and being part of women's sports? It's super important to me. I, the first sporting events that I went to as a kid were my older cousin's softball and basketball games. And, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate reality. You know, we just crossed the 50th anniversary of Title IX. We still have a long way to go in terms of how women's sports are, are treated in this country in comparison to men's sports. And it's not to take away anything from the men. We shouldn't have to take away anything from anybody. I've always approached things with the idea of let's elevate everybody um, but there's a reality that we haven't, as a society, done a good enough job uh, with with anything with women. But you know, my my corner of the world that I can control is is the sports at AIC. And so, you know, to me, to be able to get some extra recognition for field hockey or lacrosse or softball or basketball, track and field, what have you. Uh, it's it's important to me because they deserve it. the The idea of doing a little extra work to put them them out there so that people do know what they're accomplishing. Because if it is a case of if you build it, they will come. And you look at the TV numbers for the Women's College World Series, the championship games, uh, they outdrew the Men's College World Series by two hundred thousand viewers. So there's there's an appetite out there for it. We just have to be willing to do the work to get it there and when the work is done you you see that the numbers match up the, the numbers are even better you could look at our women the u.s women's soccer team you know they they way 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 out draw viewers of the men and part of that is of course that the women are really really good you know you expect them to win every year but but they draw huge numbers the u.s women's hockey team when they're in the olympics draw insanely high numbers just like the men do so that, that appetite is there, and it's great to see, like, there are professional leagues now. Uh, you have the Professional Hockey Federation. You have, obviously, the WNBA has been around for a much longer period of time. Professional women's soccer. You know, so those opportunities, people are starting to recognize it. And for me, I, I have some control over 
doing a little bit of that work in my little corner of the world to get it where it needs to be. And that's just really important to me because I've had a lot of women who have been, who have put a lot into, into my life. And it's again, my way of trying to give back and trying to do the right thing. Yeah, certainly. And it's been awesome to see you've talked about elevating it. It seems to be the elevation is, is be, again, you said it's not there. That's true, but it's, it's beginning. And that's what we like to see for sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's certainly, it's better than it was. Um, but there's, there's work to do. There's always going to be work to do. Uh, and, and that's okay too. Like we, we can recognize both that we've come a long way and that we've got a long way to go. I don't think you can, you have to say it's one or the other, it's both, but yeah, but yeah we, we certainly have come a long way too. And that's really encouraging to me. And, and again, it's, you know, you've got little boys and little girls now that are, you know, looking for people to look up to. And I, you know, there are women athletes that are worth looking up to. And I just want to get them out there so that that next generation can, can see that and, you know, have those sources of inspiration so that when they're at this age, they know that they can do anything. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Back Company. Rob Zorian started the company Zorian Back Company in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says, I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. All right, it's time. You knew it was coming. We got to talk about hockey. Specifically, mm-hmm. We'll talk about all the hockey, but let's start with AIC. It's been a great couple of years for AIC from 2019 to 2022. They are always right there in the Atlantic hockey. Four, what is it? Four, title, four regular season titles, three conference titles. Mm-hmm. This 2020 was canceled. Yep, and we were we were the one seed going into that. Had there been an NCAA tournament, the league would have given us the auto bid. So, yeah, four and three. The only thing that could beat beat us in our league the last four years was literally a global pandemic. So, yeah, it's been an incredible run. So, what's it been like, kind of following the growth of AIC hockey? Obviously, as hockey in Western Mass. Oh, what's the team they won the national? Oh, UMass. As hockey in Western mm-hmm. Mass continues to grow, and AIC being a huge part of that. Yeah, it's been it's been fantastic. And by the way, our home opener October eighth is up. from the day we're recording this, one hundred days from now Woo-hoo. at the Mass Mutual Center. So would love to see you all there that that uh, Saturday night, the eighth of October. Um, it's been amazing. It's been truly special to be able to be part of the resurgence of of our program. Uh, Eric Lang, who's a two time alum, like I mentioned earlier, has just done an unbelievable job. And obviously some of the credit as well goes to the assistant coaches he's had throughout the years, Mike Towns, Steve Wiedler, uh, Corey Schneider, who have all departed us to go to other, other places at this point, Uh, Matt Woodard, now Patrick Tab. you know, we mentioned, you know, Evan was our director of hockey ops for one year. Mike Finnegan, who was here for, for three years is now at UConn, a huge part of it. Brendan Riley's currently our director of ops and fantastic. The players, obviously, that we've had over the over the years have been unbelievable. It's just been, it's been so much fun, and it goes back to 
you know, I, I think of like the first 10 years that I was here and we weren't very successful. And I always believed that at one day we would be. And people told me I was crazy. Um, who's laughing now? Four straight conference championships. We're gutting for five. Um, and it's just, it's been, it's been so special to be part of, you know, that, that first championship in 2019 when we won in Buffalo over Niagara and over time. And then the win over St. Cloud that everybody still talks about. Um, you know, 2020 obviously was cut short, but then to come back in 2021 and do it again. And then last year, the actually the Atlantic Hockey Championship game, this most recent season, the championship game was on my birthday. And I the thing that I will remember is is Parker Revering sitting next to me with in the hallway at in Utica with the trophy and looking at it and looking at me and going, not a bad birthday present, huh? And it just such a great group of people to be, to be with. And I, it's been amazing. It's a dream come true, quite literally to get to call. You know, I got to call the championship game in 2021 because it was in Springfield, hopefully with the new format that we have, we'll be conference regular season champions for a fifth time because all of the Atlantic hockey playoff games this year are high seed hosts. So the AHA championship game will hopefully be March 18th at the mass mutual center. And I'll get to call that game again as a result. So really looking forward to that. But yeah, it's been, it's been an amazing ride. And, and I love the sport of hockey so much. Always, always have. And so it's, it's really special. Yeah, you certainly love the game of hockey as your social media handle on multiple, uh, multiple handles is the professor or the hockey professor. What's where'd that nickname come from? Is that you or is that somebody else? That is somebody else. So a long time ago, gosh, this was pre, this was pre Eric Lang. I know that I was on a uh, hockey talk show and, and somebody referred to me as the professor of hockey, kind of, kind of a nod to, you know, all the hockey stuff and then working at a college and it, it kind of stuck around for a while. And I still have it. I think on my Instagram handle in my Snapchat, um but yeah that was just something that somebody said one day and I kind of liked it and kind of kind of rolled with it for a while and it's still sort of there but uh yeah it's it's sort of fitting I guess you know your hockey that's for sure <laughs> I know that much I, I like to I like to think I have some idea of the sport after spending 33 years watching it yeah you would think I hope all right going back out general here for a minute out of the thousands of games that you've called for AIC and otherwise, what has been your favorite? Picking just one. It's like asking a parent who their favorite kid is. <laughs> um, picking a, one favorite call. I mean, the Atlantic Hockey Championship game in 2021, obviously special because, you know, it was the title game. Uh, that That's up there. Got to... I'm still going to go though with this is a little off the board. I'm going to go all the way back to 2010. We hosted a playoff softball game. It was the first time in, in my career that the, that the softball team had made the playoffs. We were at home and we had an outfielder named Laura Russo from Chicopee slap hitter hit a walk-off gap shot double to advance us in the postseason to the, to the double knockout rounds. We ended up going all the way to, the conference championship game and knocking off new Haven who was the nation's number 10 team on their own field on the way to getting to the conference final. Um, 
And I still, I still remember that hit, you know, even, you know, it's been 12 years almost at this point. It's actually been more than 12 years at this point. So that one uh, stands out as one that I really will always remember that moment. Um, One that's not an AIC game, actually, uh, funny enough, is one I got to call this year. I got to call the uh, NE10 women's lacrosse semifinal between Lemoyne and Adelphi, which those are two programs that have historically been, you know, not just conference leaders, but national champions. And I mean, it was, I call it, I call it the beginning, the Super Bowl of women's lacrosse because it you juggernauts, right? And, you know, LeMoyne tied the game with 20 seconds left, you know, had a power play in overtime, couldn't score, turned the ball over, got it back, ended up scoring with like 20 seconds left in the OT. Just an incredible, like, incredible display of lacrosse. So that game's one, another one, even though it's not an AIC game, that'll always be kind of etched in my brain. But that, that softball walk-off, if I had to pick an AIC game, that's, that's probably the one. Yeah, that's awesome. And again, you said it, it was their first time. So that's awesome that you got to be part of that, of course. Yeah, it was the first time in seven years, I think, that they had they had made the NE10 tournament. So there you go. That's how to do it right there. Mm-hmm. And even more general than that, we got to ask this, obviously, as someone as passionate and in sports as you are, what made you originally want to work in sports? And what do you look forward to down the line as you continue to work in the industry? So uh, you can probably tell from from looking at me or, you know, having watched my at-bat that I got earlier this season that I'm not the most athletic person in the world. Uh, you know, the expression two left feet, I got two right ones. So this was always a way to be involved, you know, with a team. You know, like I said, growing up, going to my cousin's games, watching her play, my other cousins watching them play. You know, I was never out on the field and just was not good at it. So this was a way to be involved. And I always remember as a little kid, I used to do, I used to, you know, sit and watch hockey games or baseball games or football games and do my own play-by-play. My mom would constantly yell at me. They're already doing it. You don't need to do it too. You know, it's kind of worked out that I did. Um, And so, yeah, I just kind of always knew that this was what I wanted to do. And then growing up as I got a little older, listening to uh, hockey games on on online radio, listening to Chuck Caton, the longtime voice of the Whalers and Hurricanes, and that 2002 run that they made to the Stanley Cup final. And then obviously in 2006, when they won the Cup, that was, was my junior year of high school. He's like, I want to do that. I want to be that person. And, you know, it worked out at AIC that I was able to do exactly that. So it's, it really is every day is a dream come true. It's always always been a passion since I was in diapers for crying out loud. It just really has always been there. Yeah. The passion is certainly there. And you mentioned that we're going to save the best for second last here. We got to ask about education day on June 8th. It was an awesome day for the futures league overall, but you getting that bat, Mm -hmm. you're standing there at the plate and you're now tied for the league lead and on base percentage at 1.000. You're batting a thousand on the base pass. What was it? What was that day like? And what was your reaction when you found out you were going to be stepping up to the plate? Well, I, I knew that I was going to get that opportunity. Um, Evan was, was cool with it. And so was Kyle. Um, you know, so getting, you know, I think kind of the, the moment where it really hit me, like it was really happening is as I'm in the dugout and Evan's doing, you know, normally I do the PA pregame that Evan's doing it. Cause obviously I'm down in the dugout and, you know, 
leading off from American International College, number the designated hitter, number 40, Seth Dusan. And I was like, oh, that's my name. So that was that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, boy. And then I step into the batter's box. And I don't think I was truly prepared for it, to be honest with you, because 91 on TV and 91 at the from the press box or from any baseball game you've ever been to in the stands, and 91 in the batter's box are two very different things. That first pitch came in and it was just like, oh my God. And, you know, if, you know, I got behind in the count one and two, I took a bad swing on a one, one that was high. And I kind of said to myself, all right, listen, you gotta, you gotta approach this differently. You can't, you can't be too aggressive. So the strategy was if it's not, you know, just, don't swing and hope that he misses the zone three times. And he did Uh, this, you know, the one, two was high. And then the the two, two was outside. And then the three, two slipped out of his hand a little bit. It it looked like, and obviously it came up and in and it was right here. And, Oh my God, that was horrifying. My life flashed before my eyes. I, you know, I was obviously, as you saw, I fell over backwards trying to get out of the way of it. Um, But it was ball four. So, hey, mission accomplished. I, I reached safely, which is, you know, and, and now I, I could put that in my back pocket and I never have to do it again. Yep. I'm not going to mess up that on-base percentage by going up a second time. Hell no. Next year, next, next year when, when we have education day, Andrew can take my plate appearance. He can have it or whoever else wants it can have it. I'm going to, re- you know, retire on top undefeated. 1,000. That, that's it. Back to the future is breaking news. Seth Dussel officially retiring from Futures League Baseball. <laughs> Play there appearances. we go. Plate appearances. Not, there we go. He's not done yet in the booth, no. folks. No, I, I am I am going nowhere in booths except for, you know, whichever ballpark we're at that, that day. Absolutely. All right, and one final question here. This has been great so far. We ended as we always do. A message to Starfire fans as we have officially hit July, which seems ridiculous to me, but mm-hmm. as we've officially hit July, if you haven't experienced Bullen's magic in person, now is the time to do it. This is a special team. This is a special group of individuals in a special place. It's the most affordable family fun in the area that you can find. What are you waiting for? Come out, come out to a game, come see this team play, come experience Bullen's magic for yourself. If you're 21 or older, grab a Starfire IPA because we're the only, still the only team in the Futures League with our own beer. Uh, come hang out with Stanley our mascot come come see the superstars of baseballs tomorrow today for 10 bucks it's just and, and experience the magic experience the bullens magic yeah gotta come down to billy bullens field and see that bullens magic live it's it's nothing like you've ever seen i promise you that absolutely and once you come once you come once you're going to want to come again and again and again like that's it is truly a special place 100 percent Seth Dussault, thank you so much once again for joining me. This has been a great episode. Everybody's going to love this. I've got a very good feeling about it. We wish you the best of luck going forward. Can't wait to see you on Nesson on July 16th. It's going to be a great day for the Futures League and for you. Can't wait for it. Thank you again for joining me and, and good luck the rest of the way. Thanks for having me, Owen. It's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to doing this. So really glad to get that opportunity. And let's go Starfires. Indeed. And this has been episode six of season five of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We got new episodes coming out every Monday. 
Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll see everyone soon. Thank you.